Welcome to Wisdom's Table with Rachel Wardman. You should know this podcast will cause you to grow. We go deep on all kinds of topics related to the Christian life, leadership, relationships, business, and so on. Listening to this episode just might be the best part of your day, so let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode. Today, we're starting a three-episode series that I am so excited about. And I know I say that all the time, but I am. I'm an excitable person, and I like getting pumped up for things. Today, we're going to start talking about my newest book, The Expansion Mandate. And let me just tell you, best laid plans don't always come to pass, right? And my 2024 has started off with a series of fumbles, one fumble after the next. And my intention around November when I released this book was to do a group coaching experience um, for the book with whoever wanted to jump in and just do a book club together. And that did not uh, come to fruition. I was not able to pull the pieces together. We had a couple of things come up that just um, trumped the ability to to do that. So I, I thought, you know what, what if we do a behind the scenes kind of book study about the book here on Wisdom's Table? So here's the thing. If you have not bought the book yet, totally fine. You do not have to have the book to enjoy this series. Um, But my hope and my prayer is by the end of this episode, you're going to feel like you need this book in your life. So today we're going to talk about the promises of God, and we're going to talk about how important it is to know what God's promises over your life are and how to discover those. And even if you do feel like you know those promises, I think you're going to love this episode. Let me tell you a little bit about this book first, just for a moment. I wrote the book, The Expansion Mandate, last fall, and I knew I was going to write a book in the fall. I just had kind of all year long was like, I just feel it. I know I'm going to write a book in the fall. It's my third book. And I had thought I was going to write a book on prayer, and I was outlining it. It was going to be a great book, you guys. I was so excited about all these things. I was you know, collecting information. I love prayer. I've seen God answer some wild prayers in my life, and I was like, this is going to be fun. Let's put together a book on prayer to help other believers uh, learn to pray more and, and see their prayers be answered. And so I was already into the prep phase of that book. And I was at Walmart. I was shopping for groceries, weekly groceries for my kids. And I just felt the Holy Spirit in the produce aisle say to me, you know, that book on prayer. I'm like, yeah. He said, that's not it. I, I said, what do you mean? That's not it. It's a great idea. Let's do this book. And he said, that's not it. I said, well, what do you want me to write? And I kid you not, he began to speak to me. I want you to write a book. We're going to call it The Expansion Mandate. And it's going to be about the four battles that every Christian has to win so they can occupy their promised land. Whoa. I literally stopped my cart. I pulled out my notes app on my phone. I'm frantically writing all these things down because it gripped me. And this is the four battles that he gave me right then and there, standing next to the oranges and the bananas. He said, every battle Christians have to fight is begins with the battle for the promise then the battle to the promise, and then the battle at the promise, and finally the battle in the promise, which is when we begin to occupy this space that God has brought us into. And I just was, I loved the idea, and I was also very humbled by it. But what I began to learn as God spoke to me about how he wanted this book to come about was that he is brilliant in what he does. I don't feel like I can take any credit for the expansion mandate because it really was a prophetic word from the Lord. I felt like I was writing down. Um, what he said, told me to do was to look at Israel's life as if from when she, when Israel left Exodus to go worship the Lord to when she walked into Jericho, he said, treat Israel as if she's one person having one life. 
going from all of these different steps because that is the pattern that you and I go down and go through when we're moving closer to the thing that God has assigned for us to do. So that's a blurb about the expansion mandate. It is available on my website, rachelwartman.com and on Amazon. Um, and if you don't want to use Amazon for whatever reason, you can use the code insider 15 to get yourself 15% off from the book on my website, but you do have to pay for shipping on the website. So for a lot of people, Amazon is the better choice. Um, you, it does not, you know, you pick whatever choice is better for you. So you don't have to have the book to enjoy the next three episodes. They're going to be incredible. I'm pretty sure. I think you're going to love them. Um, but it would help. I think you're going to want the book. One of the things I'll say one last little plug, um, that's been really endearing to me. And if you're one of these people, I just want to say thank you so much. The outpouring of support that I've received about this book has been incredible. I have uh, never, this is my best-selling book. I've never seen so many people resonate with the content that's in this book, which just speaks to the testimony that it was God putting this word out there. Um, but what I find amazing is, you know, I'm a preacher. I've been a preacher for 20 years. I'm a teacher. I love speaking in front of people. And when you're speaking in front of other people, you get to gauge how they're enjoying what you're saying, right? You can get a feel in real time for how your content is landing. But when you write, you have no idea. I have no idea how people are going to relate or not relate to the words I put on that page. I have no idea if the words are going to inspire or if they're going to, you know, incite frustration. I don't know. So when I get to see those posts, people tag me in and when I get to see those reviews on Amazon and all of that kind of stuff, it just builds my heart so much because I get to see how you interacted with the content um, because I'm not there in real time as you're reading. Okay, huge, you know, buffer on the front end of this episode, but let's talk about the promises of God. So there was a man about 100 years ago, I believe, his name's Everett, uh, oh my goodness, I think Everett Scott, and he wanted to decide how many promises there were in the Bible. He just had this thought, I want to know how many times God promised something in the Bible. So he read, Everett Storms, that's his name, he read the Bible cover to cover, and he did that over and over and over again for 18 months. And he wrote down every time God promised something to a human being. And you want to know what that total was? 7,487 times in the Bible, a human being was promised something from God. Now that is wild. There are 8,810 recorded promises in the Bible overall, and 7,487 of those are to people. So what that says to me is that God really loves making promises, that God really enjoys making promises, that God speaks the language of promise. But would you be surprised to learn that the word promise that you and I use in the English language does not exist in biblical Hebrew? This was really surprising to me. The word promise that you and I use every day there's no context for it. Now, we read the Bible and it's these words are translated into promise because contextually that's accurate. But in the Old Testament, at the time that God was promising things to Abraham and Jacob and Isaac and, you know, those stories, that word promise was not there. It doesn't it doesn't equate to that. God's language of promise is actually much more similar to a contract or a vow. That's really the language, a contract or a vow. Now, why is this significant? Because I don't know about you, but I'm, as a mom of four kids, I don't always keep my promises. <laughs> like I wish, I wish I, I did. 
but things come up and you're not able to do it, right? If I say to my kid, today I'm going to take you to get ice cream. That's kind of a promise, right? Sort of, not exactly. It's not like I said pinky swear, but I say, I'm going to take you to get ice cream. And my kid's like, okay, great. And then I pick them up from school and I find out there were four birthdays. They've had three cupcakes and two donuts. And I decide ice cream is not going to happen tonight. So I break my promise. No harm, no foul, no big deal. That should be understandable. But that is not the way that God is. God does not just flippantly break his agreements. He doesn't. He actually holds them significantly. And he is able to outlast us with so much patience that sometimes the promises he gives us are never fulfilled because we don't understand how to cooperate with him. So the first battle in the expansion mandate is the battle for the promise. And this is the process of challenge that we go through to believe that God wants really good things for us. I mean, if you are in a place in your life where you are struggling to believe that there's something good for you, you are in this first battle and there's nothing to be ashamed of. Like it's, it, we all go through it. I remember years of my life where I really stressed and, and was fraught over this thought that God loved me, but not enough to make me, you know, bring me into amazing places that God loved me, sure, that he cared for me, sure, he would provide for me, okay, but I would not really experience abundance. And I'm even thinking like abundance of peace, abundance of joy. I just had this, this weird fixation on the, the difficult parts of life and on the responsibilities of life. And I just attributed that to kind of God telling me that was going to be my lot in life. I remember somebody telling me one time about John the Baptist and how John the Baptist never got to, he always went before and he never really got there, right? He had to go before Jesus and he didn't get to see Jesus be revealed as the Messiah in the same way that they did after the fact. And this person had said, I feel like he was saying about himself, I feel like I have a John the Baptist call. It's like, I always go before, but I never get to where I'm going. And I was in college when I heard that and it stuck with me all of my life. There's been different times where I've thought that's me. I will always be the one doing all the hard stuff, but I won't get to enjoy the fruits of my labor. Look, all of those thoughts are lies. All of those thoughts are garbage. Do we always get to experience the fullness of the promises God gives us? Absolutely not. But here's why the promises of God are always intended for beyond you. It's not just you, it is beyond you. This is what I think is so significant about life with Jesus. Yes, he sees you individually and he will go to great lengths to help you individually, but he also considers who you are in the midst of everybody who's come before you and everybody who will come after you. Because the timeline of God is so vast, our human brains can't comprehend it. So when we start thinking very singularly about me, myself, and I, and what am I going to accomplish, and what is God going to do for me, and it's all about me and what I get out of it, we begin to go into error. I'm not saying it's wrong to think about yourself. Of course, we have to. Who wouldn't? We have to survive. But when we start to fixate on, I need to accomplish this, I need to, you know, then we look and we realize what happens after. So I'm, you know, I just turned 40 this last year. And for the last 10 years, since I turned 30, my whole life has been about legacy. And I'm like, at 30 years old, should you be thinking about legacy? I don't know, but I was. Why? 
because I know that my children will be an extension of me and their children an extension of them. And I want everybody to be as healthy and whole mentally, physically, spiritually as possible so that our generational line can continue to thrive. So years ago, my dad did some genealogy research and found, so my father uh, is Jewish. He is, um, he gave his life to Jesus around 2005, which was a miracle. Nobody ever thought he would give his life to Jesus. He was very kind of pharisaical in how he viewed God. Um, and so he was Jewish and he's from a very long line of Jewish people. And my mom is a Christian and she grew up, her parents were in ministry and they come from a long line of Christians doing things for the Lord, serving their church, et cetera. So my dad started doing this genealogy and he ended up finding somebody who had de dedicated their life to researching our family name and had found back to 1780, I think 1790 or 1780 research on these families. And so we had all this information of people. You want to know something wild? So my name's Rachel. My brother's name is David. And when we got this research back about four or five generations before my dad, there was a married couple named David and Rachel. <laughs> it's just so interesting how life works. And my parents had no idea. So when they named us David and Rachel, we, we saw that we were like, how weird is that? This family line name that, you know, came back up anyways. So we discovered that every single person prior to my dad back to 1780 ish was Jewish. And there's no reason to expect that prior to that, they were also, you know, that they were Jewish. We have to assume they were Jewish. And so when I think about it, I'm like, okay, so I'm from this family line that is significantly entrenched in, in Judaism. And I am the first believer. Now, my, my family has all come to know the Lord since then, but I am the first believer. And do you know that as the first believer, you go through a lot because I am the doorway before me is a whole history of a specific thing, and after me is a completely different history. And so when I view my life, and I say this because I think I would love for you to begin to look at your life in the same way, what would it look like for you to see it as a continuous line, and the part that you play betters that line? It's not all about you, it's about changing the trajectory, for those of you that are parents, how you view your children and the way that you raise them and the way that you invest into them has the potential to change the trajectory of hundreds and thousands of years before you. Prior to me, my family line on my dad's side was riddled with a, a massive poverty spirit and a massive, there were people who had abundance, who had built wealth, but it was always at great cost emotionally. And what's interesting is God has called me to reverse that and to change that. And it has been very hard. It has been significant spiritual warfare. We'll probably talk about that at some point. But what I've experienced on the back end of it is so gratifying to know that it's not just because I've experienced abundance and finances, but that I've gotten to change the way it's going to work for the generations to come after me. So what are the promises that God has spoken to you? And how do those promises go beyond you? How does your participation in working through those promises set you up to have a genealogy that goes beyond you that is significant and transformational? That's part of what the expansion mandate is really all about. It's about understanding where God is trying to take us so that we can participate with the Lord, right? 
when we look at this battle for the promise and we just keep fighting over and over again and just never really getting to the place of believing we are called, anointed, chosen, gifted, set apart, appointed for this time, when we ignore all of that because we are riddled with what the enemy is doing in this battle, we don't get to make it to the second battle. So here's my challenge to you. If you are wrestling with the promises that God has had, has given to you, or you're wrestling because you don't know that there are promises for you, this is your year. This is your year to get in the word of God. This is your year to get deep in your faith and to vanquish that enemy, vanquish that accusing voice over your life once and for all. How do you know if you're past this battle? It's because you can look at yourself and say, I am called. I am a royal nation. I am a chosen priesthood. I am set apart. I am the head and not the tail. I am blessed. I am the son or daughter of God. I am appointed for this time. I am with Jesus and Jesus is with me. When you can say those things with conviction and honesty and you know the Lord is with you, you know you've made it from that first battle. Whew. It fires me up. I hope it fires you up too. Because there's something so significant about understanding the promises of God are vows. They are contracts. And God puts the lion's share of obligation onto himself. You could never fulfill the things the Lord wants you to do on your own. So don't even try. Allow him to move through you. Allow him to take your weakness as an opportunity to display his strength. Allow him to take your failures as an opportunity to display his redeeming power. Allow him to take your, your need as an opportunity for him to display his prowess as a provider. What would it look like in your life to understand and claim the promises that God has put before you? It's something to think about. The first half of the first third of the book, excuse me, is really about the fact that we are blessed the fact that we have been called into blessing. In chapter two, we actually go through the specific biblical characters that have been blessed so we can see what it looks like for the blessing of God to come and rest on somebody. There was a period of time in my life where every time I would go into church, one of the greeters at our church would actually say out loud and announce, behold, here comes the blessed couple. And although I think that's cheesy and a little silly, it got me thinking, you know, it got me thinking, we are a blessed couple. We are a blessed people. Does that mean we always feel blessed? Of course not. But we are blessed because we are blessed with the presence of Jesus who goes with us, right? And he goes with us in our ups and our downs. So this is my challenge to you. If you don't have the book already and this is stirring in you, grab the book so that you can read for yourself in detail all of these things. And I want to end by just praying a prayer of blessing over you. I will say to you that the biggest challenge of my life was getting out of battle one. The rest of them, yeah, they were challenging, but they were nothing compared to battle one for me because battle one for me lasted like 10 something years. I wrestled and I struggled and I had to get healing and therapy and counseling and I had to dislodge negative beliefs and mindsets and I had to learn how God sees me. And then I had to believe that what I was learning was actually true. And then I had to have practical experience that what I believe is actually applicable and it was a long process. And my prayer for you, and even the reason why I wrote this book, is to helpfully shorten some of that time for you. Because we're all going somewhere, right? We're all going to the place the Lord has assigned for us, to the promise, the, the appointment that he's given us. 
And if I can be a part of shortening the, the drama in between for you, that would be the dream of my life. So Father, I thank you that you are such a promise-giving God. Lord, I thank you that you are so good at speaking to us in exactly the way we need to hear. And I pray right now over each and every listener that we would be able to discern the promises that you've spoken to us, whether it's promise for family or promise for finance or promise for faith and abundance and all these different ways or promises of, of callings that you're giving to us. Lord, I pray that we would be able to discern those and hear those, to lay hold of them and to believe them. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you guys next time.